Hello Wisdom and Wellness family, welcome to another episode. I am super, super excited. I did mention that we are literally expanding, expanding our global footprint. Now we have an incredible woman. She's all the way in the States, not from the States though, but all the way in the States. But today we're with Akene Onu. She is a mindset and transformational coach. Feminine leadership expert, certified professional coach, changed leadership and organizational consulting expert, emotional intelligence, the list goes on and on. But what stood out for me was how she encourages women to step in their God-given purpose, their femininity, and to set those goals and believe that they'll come to pass. So welcome, Ikene. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to, to join me. Thank you for me. It's such a pleasure to be on here and welcome to your audience. Thank you. Yeah. So I hear you, you just told me that you come from a trip. What was happening? Where were you? Uh, I was in Jamaica. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, it was. It was quite a lot of fun. Uh, I get the opportunity to meet amazing women in the work that I do. Yeah. And so it's always a treat when I get to both support them, but also be part of their lives. So yeah. I went there, uh, a client of mine was having a celebration. And so I went to be part of that. Nice. So you're not in the, you're not originally from the States, um, originally from Nigeria, right? I'm actually, I was born in the U S so technically I'm American, but yeah. I am originally from Nigeria. I went to school in Nigeria and everything. So I'm very Niger for life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get into some icebreakers. Is okay. there a song that is stuck in your head right now? Oh, that's a good one. You know, I was in Ghana in October and this song is still stuck in my head. And it's a very popular song. I guess it was popular at the time. And it's yeah. by uh, King Promise and it's called Terminator. You know, that's, I don't know if it's popular in, in South Africa, but it's a popular, it's kind of Afrobeat kind of song. Yeah. And it really is like, um, there's a dance to it and everything. So um, it's still stuck in my head. The the phrase, the part I love, but I always, you know, the Pentecostal part of me has to change it just a little bit. There's a part of the song and it says, yeah, the lyrics say, um, it says, basically, I'm at a point in my life. If you understand me or not, it's okay. Oh. If you like me or not, it's okay. As long as, and, and the song goes, as long as I do what I want, but I'm like, as long as it was, it's what God wants, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I sing it, I tweak it a little bit, but I sing it and I, it's still, a, it's a very catchy tune, very catchy okay. tune. I've been yeah. listening to, um, it's also like an Afrobeat, but now I forgot the guy and he's the original singer. It's also like an Afrobeat song. It's got her and the original guy and it's called Lonely. I think Lonely at the Top, something that. Oh yeah, yeah, Asake. It's yeah. very popular right now, yes, oh, yeah. I love, love, love that song. Okay, so you obviously travel a lot, a lot, but if you had to go to the desert and could only take three things, what would you take? No phone. No phone. Water. Okay. Right. Water. Bread. Because <laughs> I've got to survive the desert. Yeah. And a guide who knows the desert. No, that is a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cheat. Okay, my last um, uh, icebreaker is if you could be anyone for a day, who would you be and why? 
so many people. I would say if I could be, I can't imagine one person for sure, but I would be someone who had great wealth and great influence. Okay. And the reason why would be so that in that one day, I would make all sorts of decrees and proclamations and assign the money to various things. Yeah. Uh, you know, the educational system at home, our healthcare system, so many things yeah. I'd love to see changed. And so I would use that one day, do all the things and get out. Yeah, that okay. would be it. <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, I was listening to an interview that you did. I think it was on Metro FM last oh, year, but it okay. was so short. It was super and short. You, it was so short, but I could hear that there's so much to your story that I wanted to hear more of. And I think over then, since then, I've been, we've been trying to do something and time hasn't allowed. But I just want us to, I want to just to get started with who you are, life in, growing up in America, being born in America, coming back to Nigeria, um, and then going back again, becoming mm. a pharmacist, and just that whole phase that transition um that got you to do the work that you do today yeah so i was born here my parents were in college here at the time uh, my dad was getting um a, a master's and so i ended up being born here and then we went back to nigeria when i was about six or seven yeah and it was so interesting because uh with america being my first country english my first language and that experience i remember just you know sidebar Asking my mom, you know, we're going to Africa, we're going to, what is, what is Nigeria like? And my yeah. mom kind of like made me excited. She's like, oh, you know, you know how the beach is and they have lots of palm trees? It's like that. And so I'm like, oh, is it like um, a vacation resort? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's like. And I get back and I'm like, this is not a vacation resort at all. <laughs> And so for the first, like, I think three, four months, I kept asking my dad, when are we going home? When are we going home? And finally, one day he just erupted and he said, this is your home. Yeah. And even though that moment, that was a pivotal moment for me for some reason, because I was like six or seven. And he was so filled with, he was, you know, he was angry. He shouted. He was like, this is your home. Stop asking me about that. This is your home. And it kind of sat and just went right into my soul yeah. and I had understanding that I am Nigerian first, mm -hmm. no matter what anything else might say. And so uh, with that though, there was still a lot of adjustment. You know, I was still the American kid at school. I had an accent. I was mocked mercilessly for my American accent. It's interesting because at the time I went, it was the seventies. It was still, well, it was, yeah, 79, 80. Um, we didn't have that. We weren't as westernized to the point that we idolized so oh, much. Yeah. Yes. American things and English things. Right. So when you had an American accent, it wasn't considered an asset. It no. was like, what's wrong with this one? Who Why are you talking you? like this? Yeah. Who are you? What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this one come from? So there was constant bullying and mark and mocking and just sort of as we were adjusting and shortly, you know, I was only in Nigeria for a few years um, before I went to boarding school. But in those four years, I had dropped my accent. I had become very Niger. I was like, ah, ready. So I went to boarding school and it was incredible. 
you know, I went to probably one of the best schools, I would say, in the world. If you ask any of us, we will say it was one of the best schools in the world. Um, It was tough, of course. Uh, Boarding school for us brought the best of both worlds. We learned. We had such a great academic foundation. But then also, we also, my school was a girls' school. So after hours, after classes, we would learn how to walk. We would have classes, you know, informal classes on poise and etiquette. Yes. And how how do you present yourself? Which is why for my school, when you meet women from a certain generation and up, there's a way that where we were QC girls were kind of known, right? There's a way we show up. There's a way we can walk into any room. In the U.S., actually, a lot of the, when you see a lot of Africans at, you know, high positions, a lot of them are uh, alumni. There's a way we just carry ourselves, right? And that was like the senior girls would teach you. This is how you walk. This is how you pick something up when it drops. And da-da-da, you're a QC girl. So you always have to be a certain way, right? So we had that. But simultaneously, we were cleaning toilets. We were cutting grass. We were, you know what I mean? So we weren't living this princess existence. Anyway, you go through all of it. Attitude, but also still do everything else. Down to earth, exactly. You yeah. have to be down to earth. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think that that has informed who I am too, because even in my teachings now, right? Like when people say, oh, you teach around femininity. I, I do. I teach femininity and womanhood. But I always say, listen, femininity is not performative. Mm-hmm. It's not something, you know, even the elegance teachings that we see now, I think it's fantastic. But listen, I'm I'm 50 this year. And when you have lived long enough, I always tell women, be careful not to marry your value with your ability to be elegant. And don't make people think that if you're inelegant, you're less valuable. You have to be careful about that because you are going to experience things and times in life when you are not going to be so elegant. I mean, childbirth alone. Childbirth is not an elegant process. Window. (laughs) Right out the window. And so you have to teach the people you're with that your value is not in your performance. When you can, you're elegant. But when you cannot be elegant, you be a woman, you're straight, you're just who you are is enough. And I think that's such an important messaging that is the thread that has carried me through because I was one way as an American kid, then I come to Nigeria and I'm a Nigerian kid. Then I, you know, as I'm getting out of um, secondary school, I went to university back in the US. And so I come through another culture shock. Because now I'm firmly Nigerian in my mindset. I have very little memory of what it is to be American. And I'm back in America at 16, 17 years old. And I'm by myself in upstate New York. It's snow, the, you know, it's just so bizarre from what I'm used to, right? And it was, you know, it was, it was interesting. It, Again, it's funny because I, I ran into some of my classmates and they were, and they talked about how they all envied that I got to go to the U.S. to go to school. And I said to them, and they, and they all knew, and they were all in school together. They had such a wonderful time. And I was saying to them, you know what? Yeah, we had access to certain things, but there's something about the U.S. that Africa has over us. You know, I, the U.S. and the West in general may be more modern, maybe more, you know, now that isn't necessarily true, but they may have more amenities and it might seem easier on the pocket, but it is harder on the soul. It is isolating. It is lonely in some ways, right? And imagine a 17 year old girl 
you've left everything you've known, your family, and you've come to America. Yeah. yeah. And think about how many of our children have that exact same experience, right? We send them abroad to go and get this great education, but something happens, right? And so I was um, explaining the, the deep loneliness that I felt for so long when I first came to the U.S. And I had some Nigerian people in our school. We clung to each other, but, yeah. you know, it was still not enough. It's such a yeah. jarring experience, but you find your way. So yeah. my, I think one of the threads of my life, as I think about it, is that transition. I'm not as afraid of transition because I've had a lot of it. You've known, right? yeah. 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 So as you're getting used to one thing, it's time for something else and yeah. so on and so forth. Uh, although I was talking to the Lord the other day, I was like, it's, you know, it's okay. I've entered my my gray hair season. Can we just take it? Like, I don't need any more transition. I just want some stuff. Like, can we just chill for a bit? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> One of your strongest soldiers this year. I'm okay. Let me just take it easy, right? Soft life, please. Soft right? life. So, soft life, you know. But um, it has. Um, it's been interesting. I've learned. You know, just leaned into it. I lean into the curves. Yeah. I lean into the curves of life, and so got back. Uh, I wanted to study creative writing and something creative. Uh, my parents were like, my mom in particular was like, what? <laughs> Please, yeah. what is that? You want to start? Nigerian girl, you're writing. And then we didn't have Chimamanda. And we didn't yeah. have all the wonderful writers we have now. Yeah. So there was no template for success. Yeah. And so my mom was like, this is what I know people are successful at. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be an engineer, or you can be a pharmacist. Pick one. And so <laughs> I first started out as a chemical engineer and I had one internship and I was supposed to wear the hat, the hard hats and they were going to be on refineries. And, and I was like, ah, no, this is not what I'm agreeing for. I'm out. I was done after that. Mm -mm. I liked chemistry. So I went into pharmacy and my aunt is a pharmacist. And so I went into pharmacy but I knew very early on in the process that I really didn't want to study it. In fact, my plan was I'll just do it to make my parents happy. And, and then after I'm done, like my first year, I'll go back to school. and I'll do what I really want to do. Well, a year turned into 17 years. Real. Let me say that paycheck. When you're getting, you're getting that regular paycheck. It's so, very seductive. Right. And then I, and I'm the firstborn. And so I'm the firstborn. I had, you know, two younger ones in college. My mom had been working so hard. So you want to help, you yeah. know, where you can. And so, you know, taking those risks around money, you just kind of think, okay, well, let me, let me, you know, let me do this work. It's decent work. Yeah. I'll just keep doing the work and I'll figure it out. Right. I mean, I tried various things through the years, uh, learned about makeup, wanted to be a makeup artist, did one bride's face, said I don't want to be a makeup artist, right? Like I was trying to figure out my way while working. And the biggest shift for me, though, happened when my daughter, I, you know, was born. So, again, I did all the things I was supposed to do as a, as a woman. I got married, bought a home, had a child. So I ticked all the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. So I was essentially told all my life, just be a good girl. Get married. Get, do these things. You know, go to church. Yeah. Everything will be fine. You'll yeah. be happy. You'll but be I was happy. very unhappy, actually, mm -hmm. and, um, and felt extremely unfulfilled. But I was moving along, right? And, um, and hoping 
that, okay, when I finally get this and I get this, then everything will be fine. I had my daughter, and I remember one night I was looking at her in her crib, and my daughter really looks like me. Like We even have the gap. We have the same gap tooth and everything. And I was looking at her, and I was just asking myself, if she followed my exact life template and she lived my exact life, would it make me happy? Right, right, right. And I said, at that moment, I knew something had to change. Simultaneously, one of my friends at the time, who had known me for a long, long time, and she called me and she said, you know, I have to tell you something serious. And you're not going to be happy with me. I said, ah, what happened? She said, there's something that God has placed on my heart to tell you. And it's a hard word. I said, okay, go ahead. Hit me. Tell me. And she tells me, she said, listen, Akira, if God has given me one talent, he has given you five and you've done nothing with them. And I want you to know you are going to be accountable to him. Whoa. Till today, when I think about it, I still get chills. You know, you know, when someone pours ice water on you, um, yeah. Yeah. right? And I got off that call and I cried because what she said was true. I was living an acceptable life. I had a job, a good career. I was doing all the things, but I was not living a purpose-driven life. I was not living the call. I was not living out the call upon my life. And it was frightening to consider that if I was to step outside of this, what would that look like? But it was more frightening to consider that I might get to the end of my life. And then God will say, eh, Madam, I gave you X, Y, Z. What happened? I said, well, Lord, what had happened was, you know, I didn't want to start. I said, how am I going to start explaining to my maker? And it was such a driving thing for me. And then so all a lot of different things were coming together at the same time. And I also believe like God has a way that when he will call you, yeah. he will call you in the still small voice. Yeah. If you don't listen, then he Get may out call out. you through chaos. Yeah. 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 It starts soft and then it gets a little louder. And before you know it, your whole world will fall apart just so you can pay attention to something you heard so long ago and you just had to be obedient at the time but we just choose not to not to listen when it's convenient when it's still light and yeah absolutely and so. that was me so i entered into what i call a wilderness season like everything started to come apart like i felt like i was and, and, and what i also know now is also happening is that you are so dissatisfied because once you have acknowledged as a call upon you and the call is not like people think the call means oh you're going to be a pastor what everyone has a call hmm. everyone god is calling each and every one of us to our life of purpose and so when you start experiencing i call it the call of the icon when you start experiencing that call then everything around you doesn't fit yes ma'am I know right? exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I feel like, and I, 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 I read it from a book, Saw by T.D. Jakes, and this was a pivotal moment in my life. And he made that um, example, and I never forget it, that when a bird is teaching its little one to fly, 
Mm-hmm. She will ruffle the feathers that, so that she can go away. Because once, if the nest is still comfortable, if the nest is still comfortable, then the bird will stay there. So then the mm-hmm. bird, the mother bird has to ruffle the nest, has to ruffle mm-hmm. there so that it becomes uncomfortable. And I think that's what you're talking about, that when you've answered the call, you call it the iconic call, everything that was once acceptable, comfortable, easy, all of a sudden, it's like, what is happening? Why am that's- I so uncomfortable? That is so, it's so true because you're on everything and you look at it and you're like, ah, what's going on? Yeah. Anyway, so I got to this place where late in the midnight hour, I was literally crying out to God and, and I was crying and wailing and being very dramatic. I'm a very dramatic crier. And eventually one day, like, and so all of these were happening within the span of maybe a month the day came or maybe a couple of months, I decided to take some time off work to sort of process what was happening for me. During that time, there was a mountain close by where I live, an actual mountain. I would walk the base of the mountain or I'd hike up the mountain. And I'd wear these massive big sunglasses. People probably thought I was being Hollywood, but I would wear them because I was so filled with unhappiness that I would cry. And I didn't want people to see me crying. I would cry. I would pray. I would cry. I would pray. I would sweat. And through this process, and I would journal, and I would sit, you know, I finally began to piece together my next steps, right? And, you know, so many different things were happening for me. And I decided one day it was time for me to go back to work. And so I called my boss to see if I could extend my time. And my boss said, if you don't come back to work tomorrow, you don't have a job. And I pulled the car to the side of the road. I called my sister and I said, I can't go back to work. And she said, okay, life is too short. If you feel this badly about it, quit. You'll figure something else out. Now, of course, it's easier for her to say that she's not paying my bills, but you know, and, and this is the thing I'm going to transparently say this. I was married at the time. Yeah. So the person that I probably should have been calling was my husband. Yeah. I did not want to call him, I'm pretty sure, because I I didn't want anyone to talk me out of it. Mm. But that was a disrespectful thing. I mean, straight talk, like that Mm. you don't make a decision like that without bringing your partner along. But he was supportive during that season. And so he held us down. But it wasn't a shock to him because he had always known I hated the work. But he didn't know that I would come to this point of I cannot do it anymore, just like that. So he supported us during that season. And so, again, and I always say this also, too, because when you hear these stories, people don't also tell you the other side. And so you're like, oh, I'm just going to quit, too. And I'm just going to do that. No. You had, you had something had holding you. Yeah, yeah. Right. I had backup. And I also, I'm, I tell this story honestly, too, because one thing I'm big on I'm I'm comfortable enough in the woman that I am and in my wins, but I, so that I can actually talk about my fails. I can talk about the great things I've done as well as the challenges and the mistakes I've made. But one thing I will say, when a woman does something like that, again, you might hear the story and say, oh, well, she, her husband supported her. Yeah, but there may have been resentment there. That there's no human being that you put that upon without sure. a discussion first. But those types of moves build little seeds of resentment, right? That can become oak trees later down the line in any event, right? And this is why I tell the story when I tell the story and I tell people, tell the full story. 
Don't okay. be so focused on being aspirational because we're focused on being, oh, like, oh, my life is so perfect and I'm so wonderful and da, 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 da. But I'm more interested in you being inspirational. Yeah. And inspiration versus aspiration, the difference is you're sharing your wins, but you're also sharing the challenges and the mistakes. Yes. You're sharing your mountaintop and the valley. People need to know both. Yeah. And both are just as valuable, quite honestly. So we um so we we weathered that. But the whole time he was very much like, Okay, so what's your plan? What's your plan? Right? Uh, and even for me, my dad would say, Okay, so what's your plan? My mom, what's your everyone because we didn't grow up in a life, and this is the other thing around femininity and people wanting this soft life. I'm all for it. I get it. Like yeah. honestly. Can some billionaire come and scoop me up and let me go and lay down somewhere? I get it. Yeah. However, I really do believe that as women of faith, our soft life, the true soft life, is one where you are living a life of purpose and you are Holy Spirit led. You don't need to struggle. But the idea that we are meant to, like I say to my daughter, I have two daughters. I say, yeah. please, femininity is not ornamental. Your beauty is not an ornament. You're not an ornament. We're not meant to put ourselves on a shelf and groom ourselves every day like cats and there's nothing else you're doing. Femininity is purposeful. Hmm. Your beauty is purposeful. Yeah. Your attractiveness, whether your voice is attractive, everything about you is for a purpose. Yeah. It's for a purpose. And so my life, the people around me, Everyone's like, okay, so what, so what, what is your purpose? What are you doing? What's the plan? <laughs> right. And I had been sitting with it. Right. And shortly before I left pharmacy, I had an experience where a woman came into the pharmacy and she said, can you help me find something to help me sleep? Mm. And I said, sure. Tell me what's going on. Put me, that's all I asked her. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. They're crying. She just sure. burst into tears. And I realize now what happened for her because I meet so many women at that stage, so many high achieving, powerful women. They do for everybody, but no one ever asked them, how are you doing? Were you? Yeah. And how an honest, you? how are you? Yes. And an honest, and they, they may ask, they don't listen. Yeah, sure. Right. And so here's this woman and she bursts into tears. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let's go sit down somewhere. And we sit down and she's talking and I'm listening. And I'm asking a few questions here and there and I'm listening. And she starts wiping her face and she's like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. And she said, you know, I'm a Christian. And you know, I feel so bad because I know I should be able to do all things through Christ. And I said, oh, but he's not asking you to carry the cross. He's already carried the cross. So you have to have a dif different understanding of what that means. And we had such a meaningful conversation. Then she came back like two days later. I said, oh, do you need something else? You need another medication? And she said, no. Do you have time to talk? <laughs> right. And so, you know, again, another, there's another, um, I think Rumi said this, the poet Rumi said, what you seek is seeking you. So, as you're having your experiences to ruffle the feathers, as you put it, right, of the nest, then you're also seeing pops of your paw everywhere. What yeah. you seek begins to seek you. 
Sure. You become awakened to it. And so, so, oh, you know what? I think that I'm supposed to do something in this space. I've always had some gifts, right? Of storytelling and other things, right? And so I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do a gift. I'm supposed to do something in this space. And so I'm going to lean into that. And so I started my business. I started creating experiences for women to have an opportunity to just even talk. And then I went back to school and studied organizational and change leadership and got certified as a coach, studied social emotional, all of those things that you read at the beginning. I started doing them as I discovered, okay, this is the group. I want to take care of these people. I want to support women in this way. And so I was going to then go get the tools to help me yeah. do that at the next level and gain mastery. And I still continue to do that. I still continue to do that. So my business has evolved over the years, but it really centers on helping women go through the transition that I went through, but yeah. even more so helping them understand their gifts, helping them understand their power, but also stay centered in their womanhood. Because yeah. one of the things I found was you weren't having those conversations like I did about, and I'm not even married anymore, but mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, create um, an adversarial relationship between men and women. And it's like, oh, the man is not doing this and the man is not doing that. And I'm very much about take your own personal responsibility, yeah. Yeah. do your own work, and we don't need to be adversaries. Yeah. When you heal, when he heals, both of you heal, you'll be great, Magic, right? Yeah. We are meant to work in concert. The scripture says he told them, men and the man, Adam and Eve, man and woman, go and take dominion together. Yeah. together. And so, uh, you know, I, I really want women to be centered in their womanhood because yeah. when we are, we are actually more capable to be better wives, mothers, friends, sisters, and of course, business owners and leaders. You have a tagline that says purpose meets femininity meets faith. So for me, I I have a strong personality. So whenever I would hear things like um and especially there was a I think an era on TikTok or 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 or, or even Twitter where it's like how to operate in your femininity, but it all revolved around doing your nails and I was just like I'm not doing that. I'm a boss girl. I make things happen. I'm a leader. All of those things, right? But I, there's a thing that I saw where you spoke about how powerful it is for us to operate within our femininity. So I just want you to break down what that actually means because I don't think it means that the man must sit on your head, but no. you speak about how there's so much power in us operating in who God created us to be. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think one of the, the um, misnomers of today, especially around femininity, is this idea that it's very linear, very one note, yeah. right? It's one dimensional. And like you said, it's doing your nails and speaking a certain way. You must talk with a soft voice. And it's actually very Eurocentric. Yeah. A lot of the things that are considered to be high value women, when you look at the root, it's all Eurocentric ideals, right? And so we are still looking through a lens that is flawed and a lens that actually comes from this place that says we, in our Africanness, we are less than. We don't realize that's what's happening with a lot of we're the loud. We Everything of ours is bold and red nails instead of nude. <laughs> we have body. We are doing, that's what we are. And that's beautiful. I mean, I mean, I think 
and I, I'm going to get to what you asked in a second, but I think the height of it was when I saw somebody doing a video saying, you know, this is how an elegant woman eats fufu. I don't know if you guys have, you know, we have swallow where we dip, we dip the, uh, the, it's like a porridge kind of soft yeah. thing. Like put in a stew. Yes. Yeah. We dip it in a stew and we eat it with our fingers. Yes, we do. This too. is how we eat. Yeah. This is how we traditionally eat. And I saw this this the video, one of the of course, and she's like, No, you must eat it with a fork and knife. And I said, Ah, ah Madame. It's Africans a fork and knife is a Western construct. You should be able to use it when you're in the West, eating yeah. Western food. Absolutely. When you're just like when you're in Asia, you should be able to use chopsticks. However, when we're in Africa, we use our fingers to eat certain foods and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It is not inelegant for us to be ourselves, right? Yeah. And so I think that a lot of that content has to be reconfigured. That yeah. being said, leaders, because the again, the other side of that is the idea that the feminine does not lead, which is not true at all. Even biblically, you see leaders over and over and over again. One of the most iconic feminine leaders who really led with her feminine was Queen Esther. Yeah. We know that without her, the the Jews would have been annihilated, right? Yeah. And so she embodies some of those things, right? So for me, the feminine qualities that we lean into through our work, and, and I have um, a number of programs. I have a membership program that is really devoted, if you spend a year in it, to help you elevate all of these different qualities, right? And so for her, some of the examples are spiritual intelligence, right? The awareness that I'm not going to lean just on myself, but I'm going to go and fast and pray, right? I have to, I have to talk to God, right? So that's spiritual intelligence. And to your point, even when you talked about it, it first comes as a whisper, a small voice. The more spiritually intelligent you are, the more you can hear from God, the more you can receive divine downloads, and the less you're chasing, going from pillar to post, right? Deeply connected to spiritual intelligence is intuitive intelligence. Yeah what is sometimes called gut intelligence. But if you notice, the reason why you can easily tell that certain things, women are stronger in them is that you start hearing things like a woman's intuition. Yes. Right? So naturally, the feminine is more strong in these areas, typically, right? And so that intuitive intelligence, the ability to hear your intuition and be led by it, uh, they're closely linked. In fact, there's a scripture that says God the spirit, God is a spirit and the spirit does not communicate with flesh. The spirit communicates with spirit, right? And so for me, the language of your intuition when you are a person of faith yes. is the language with that you can also hear the Holy Spirit very often. Sometimes you just have a knowing within you that you should do this and do, don't do that and connect it to your faith, right? The other kinds of um, intelligence that Queen Esther, for example, embody was aesthetic intelligence, beauty, because it said that after she fasted and prayed, she didn't just go there looking wretched. Yeah. No, she put on her royal robes. She knew that her beauty was an asset. And in fact, the scripture says that he was so moved by her beauty that he extended his scepter to her and said, what do you want even up to half of my kingdom? That's how, how moved, which is another thing I tell women, listen, don't feel like you can't be intelligent and gorgeous and beautiful and sensual at the same time. Don't feel that you're too spiritual to, to look good. You <laughs> yeah. should. It's all part of it. If God has given you physical attractiveness, it's because he knows you're going to need it on the journey he's sending you on. Sure. 
right? So there's some different things that we have. The other things I talk about are nurturing. Mm. So women are nurturers and some women actually shy away from that. I'm like, don't shy away from it. I'm sorry how you use that in the corporate world. Project management is nurturing. You nurture something from an idea to an actual tangible manifestation. You take it through a process is nurturing. Creativity is innovation, right? So there's so many natural intelligences that we bring as the feminine, those natural skills that when you begin to understand it, social intelligence, there was a time, I don't know how it is in South Africa, but here in the US, right? There was a time when women weren't really working back in the 50s where a man, when you meet any high value man, any man who is high achieving, a CEO, you always check out the wife. They chose particular types of women as, as wives, women who are very socially intelligent because that woman, you tell her, you, oh, I'm trying to sort this out. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I need to talk to this man. I can't get a meeting with him. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. She'll throw a dinner party. She'll connect some dots. She threw the social power. Until today, it's happening. Right. Yes. Social intelligence is very powerful. And so these are all our natural things. Right. So when you understand how much you have as a woman, why would you want to be anything else? You know what I love about how you just broke it down is that when I was listening to a sermon this morning and it was speaking about it was actually Pastor Mike Todd and he was speaking about strengthening our strengths. Right. And he was saying that we want to look at our weaknesses. For example, I want to lean more into my masculinity and make that stronger versus leaning into my femininity, which comes naturally and be better at that. So, and he made a prayer and he said, and it was so significant. And he said, I want to pray for you, some of you whose gifts have been weaponized or demonized. So for example, like a social gift. Um, for us, it would, someone would say, Oh, you talk too much and you grow up now as a woman feeling like mm, I need to keep quiet because I was told to I talk too much. But as you mentioned it, like social intelligence, when you put it that way, it's like I feel like, oh, I've got social intelligence versus I talk too much. And it, <laughs> it, it, it feels more powerful based on how we view it and based on how um, it's said. And even beauty, like you grow up and there's girls who are labeled Ah, they're just pretty, but with no brains. And it's almost like it's weaponized. Beauty is not a thing you aspire for. You want to be known more for brains. But the way you you mention it is so liberating that we can actually look at these natural things that we do so effortlessly. And if we just change the wording and our belief around it, we've already done half of the work of stepping into our natural power. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I keep remembering that, you know, the Bible says we were created with intention. Mm. Like everything about us, everything, even the things we think are weaknesses, we mm. have to, we weren't, nothing about you is a mistake. Mm. When you look at the world, you can see that God is so clearly a God of intention. Like everything is carefully thought through, yeah. right? And you see threads. So why do we think, do we think that he fell asleep on the job and so then we ended up talking too much. No, I remember even, I'm one of those talk too much people, by the way, right? Me I got too. that, come on, kindred, kindred, right? I got that the whole time. I remember a day um, I was in church and, you know, I was a, a little self-righteous at the moment. I'm just going to be honest. So I was sitting in the church and we had a visiting pastor and the pastor was really 
you know, he had a little pompous energy, just a little bit. And he was talking and ta -ta -ta. And so my little judgmental self said, my goodness, doesn't he like the sound of his own voice? Mm. Right? So that yeah. was me judging him. Immediately, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, yes, he does. Because I created him that way. Because he I'm needs to be able to this. utilize that piece to do what I want him to do. And guess who is like that? You. You also like the sound of your own voice. It's like, hey, it's true. Yeah. Now, the thing about this is that even those things that are weaknesses, when we understand and we are walking in purpose, they can be harnessed in yeah. service of our purpose. When we are out of purpose, then they can be perverted they can be damaging. So a woman who leans only on her beauty and understands how powerful her beauty is can become extremely transactional and mercenary, right? And, and, and then can turn to much like Delilah was to Samson, right? And can use it and weaponize it. But when it is in service of purpose, that same thing yeah. can become so yeah. And so this is the key. This is why it's purpose meets femininity. And then faith is the the engine, the fuel that takes you to that next level. Because I want to ask, the, and our brand is called Iconic Womanhood for a reason, because it's this idea that you are sitting on a hill on a lamp that cannot be hidden. The scripture that says, those who know their God will do exploits. And so I ask myself, am I doing exploits? What do exploits look like? And it's a heavy, it feels like a burden, right? Yeah. Because I'm, and I go to God till today, even just recently, I was like, God, I know I, I don't feel like I'm doing exploits, but I can't do it in my own strength. He said, I didn't ask you to do it in your own strength. Come to me, let me help you. You need to surrender a little bit more today. Surrender more today. Surrender more today. And I will take you down the path, but you've got to have enough faith to walk yeah. with me. You, I saw a question that you asked on your social media, and I want you to unpack it a little bit. And it said, are you living your life like a question mark or an exclamation mark? What did you mean by that? So actually that quote, I heard it from someone, I can't remember who, yeah. right? It said her aunt had said it, and it was such a powerful question. Are you living like a question mark or an exclamation point? Mm. So many women go through the life, not just women, men too, but a lot of women. We go through life asking people, who are we? Asking for permission, asking, can I do this? Am I this? Am I, you know, you're looking for external validation. And so then you're living your life like a question mark. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Yes, you're constantly seeking consensus on who you are. Mm -hmm. But then when you shift out of that and you have an understanding of who you are, when you have gone to the source, because we're asking other created beings, I don't know who you are. I'm trying to figure out who I am. How we do all I know who you are? We're all on the journey, right? But what I, and, and part of the work that I do with my clients in both of my programs, right, is go teaching you how to go to your source, how to talk to God and how to hear and how to begin to deconstruct and how to trust yourself. Because you have to trust yourself. You have to trust what you hear. And when you do, then you stop asking the question, question mark, and you start declaring, exclamation point, this is who I am. This is what I do. And what I have found is that everything is galvanized around that. So when you walk in with a boldness and a confidence and you declare, even the scripture says, decree a thing and I, O Lord, will establish it. Yeah. So when you declare, 
decree a thing, when you declare it, everything, if you've ever walked into a room, try it next time, walk into a room and make a declaration. Everyone's like, oh, okay, sure, right? Yeah. They will, people believe what you tell them. Yeah. And if you come in tentative and unsure, they believe that too. And so when you walk around like an exclamation point with power, with authority, this is who I am. This is what I do. Then you galvanize everything around you in alignment with that. We're in 2024 and the year's starting and a lot of people are setting their visions and they're setting their goals. Now, going back to that woman years ago who looked at your daughter and you realize that you're not living a purposeful life so many people are there what would you say to someone who there's still an opportunity to make a change and, and, and a chance to upgrade their lives but they're in that space that you were in where would you say they start and this doesn't have to be about quitting your job but just the mentality i mean to move i can imagine moving from a place of what am i doing and staying in the same job for 17 years to the way you're speaking now about an exclamation mark and declaring like what does it take where do you start to become such a sure woman in who you are yeah so i think the first step would be know your god know mm. yourself mm. and then then create a vision from that place because sure. i think a lot of us try to create a vision from what we think we should want mm. without really doing the because you can't know what you really want to do you know yourself and yeah. you can't really know yourself until you know your god and when mm. i say know your god i don't just mean go to church because i've been in church yeah. my whole life my life changed when i started really understanding how much God loved me mm. just the way I was. I had been taught I needed to perform righteousness for God. Mm. Yes, we want to be holy and all of those things, but that's not why God loves you. God loves you because he loves you. So. And he created you with intention. So when you go through that process of, you know what? Because you can't love yourself except through loving God to me. The true love for yourself, because otherwise you can step into narcissism. But when you really understand God loves me, then you start to see yourself the way he sees me. And in fact, that's a prayer point. So a prayer point is, Lord, help me see myself the way you see me. And then when you start to see yourself, then you start to ask the right questions. What do I really desire? So another thing we've been taught is to fear our desires. But the scripture talks about that God will give you the desires of your heart. And another scripture talks about that a man can be dragged away by his evil desires. Desire, and even outside of Christendom, because I'm in the development space, there are a lot of people that are not believers who understand some of these spiritual principles that desire, the energy of desire is powerful. Sure. So desire has momentum, desire has force. So when you start asking honest questions, what do I really want? Honest a lot of times people can't move forward because they're not honest about what they want. Mm. They want to sound like what they want. They want mm. to sound good to other people. And so they're not in a place of desire. Desire is that deep, deep-seated, rooted, oh my God, this is what I want. Desire will wake you up at 2 a.m. Yeah. to go and get something done. So. Yeah. Get connected to your true desires. That, In fact, what I say is pray, God, reveal to me the desires of my heart, the desires that you have placed into my heart. Reveal them to me. And then craft a vision from that. 
crafted vision. Yeah. I love what you spoke about what you really want. Because like you said, it's easy to just put this car because you saw it there and put these things on a piece of paper and a Pinterest board and it's cute. But what I know is that even the word speaks about when we worship him, it must be in spirit and in truth. And I think we tried to take out the truth part of it where we want to bring versions of ourselves that are look like they are it or desire certain things that aren't even the real desire. And what I know for sure is that God, whatever is truth to us, he can accept yeah. that. Like he knows who we are. He already knows these things. He's just waiting for us to come forth and say, okay, this is who I am. This is my desire. Do I align with your word? If not, Lord, help me to align with your word and your will for my life. How did it feel turning 50? And what is the season of the fifth decade called in your life? It felt very much like 40. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I I feel 50. It felt um it felt amazing. There was I felt like I've entered into a deep level of agency. Okay. And 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 an understanding of legacy. Mm. This season for me, I've started it's funny because I just wrote an email um to or I put, created a post that's going out and I said I'm entering my fine wine season. Okay. Because you know, you can't treat fine wine just any kind of way. And fine wine is very expensive, okay? Yeah. So everything, you know, my, my yes is expensive. My no's are expensive. And that's just the reality of the season of life. I'm not interested in doing everything. I'm not interested in doing it all. I want to do what I need to do, what is right for me to do, what is, you know, what is my work. I, you know, my body has changed. I'm strong but I'm still 50. I'm in a different season of life. And so I'm appreciating that. I'm a, I'm more languid. Like, you know, I'm not, oh, the, the, the gragra is what we call it in Nigeria. The, the rushing around and, oh my God, of the, of the, uh, of the youth. I am not in that phase at all. I am very much like about the luxury of life. And when I say the luxury, like I tell people, I have, I live a luxurious life and people think that that means it's about, oh, logos and, and everything is, you know, tons of money. And I'm like, no, that's actually not what luxury is about. Luxury is about how things feel to you and how they enhance your quality of life. Opulence is all those things. Like it's gold, it's, it's, it's loud, it has big logos, it's very expensive. Opulence is about making sure that things look expensive to other people, but luxury is about how it enhances your quality of life. Sure. Sure. I love that. Luxury is about how it feels yes. in your life. Yes. You put it Absolutely. so much better. I feel like there's so much we have to talk about. We're going to need another conversation later in the but we're going to go into my wall of wisdom. Um, starting off with uh, which quote or Bible verse do you live by? Uh, well, one of my guiding scriptures is Proverbs eleven twenty five, mm. and that says, "He who refreshes others shall mm. himself be refreshed." Oh. I live by that because it is a promise, but it is also a mandate. It sure. is a promise that when you pour into other people, God supernaturally will pour into you. But it is also a mandate that if you are going to be refreshing others and all of us are called to refresh others, that we ourselves must be diligent about our own refreshing. 
so that we don't pour out dregs. That's a part I've never ever heard being being shared that we need to be diligent about our own refreshing. And I'm gonna to go to one more question at the end, just after my wall of wisdom. Um, okay, okay. Uh, a podcast or a book that has changed your life that everyone should listen to or read. Ooh. Hmm. A book that has changed my life. Well, one of my very favorite books is called A Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. And it's an unusual book to say that has changed one's life, but it is a it's historical fiction about the woman in the lineage of Christ. And what is interesting to me is that you see how God is so intentional yeah. and how all of these women are connected and all of these women have a role to play because it goes, it talks about uh, Ruth, it talks about Rahab, all of them have a role to play. And that book, I found it life-changing for me uh, because it helped me understand that all of us have our different ways that we show up yeah. and they're all deeply valuable. And if one person doesn't show up properly, then the thread can be broken. Yeah, everyone's affected. Everyone is affected, absolutely. And yeah. so um, that is one of the books. Another book was The Shack, which uh, some people movie. love. Movie. I, I love the book. I think yeah. the book is so worth reading. Um, yeah. People feel different ways about it, but that book was something I read in a very difficult time of my life. And it really helped me understand how much God saw me and yeah. how much God loved me. Yeah, wow. Really sure. The last one, um, you're going to fill in the sentence. A wise woman once said, A wise woman once said, it ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till it's over. That's right. <laughs> I love that. I want to go back to this question when you spoke about the refreshing. You said, I think it was in a video where you said, feel the feeling and let it pass. Yes. What does that mean for our feelings and even for the refreshing and just dealing with our emotions, our emotional, our emotional health, our mental health? What did you mean by that? Yeah. So very often we, we don't process our feelings properly. Like feelings are fleeting, just as mm. thoughts are, right? Well, mm. some feelings are more fleeting than others. So it comes and they're all connected. Thoughts, feelings, actions, they're all connected, right? And so I always say two things. One, just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to think it. Yeah. So a thought comes to your mind. You don't have to sit with it and ruminate on it and invite it to tea and start thinking on it. Let it come and let it go. Uh, you have to learn to observe your thoughts. Oh, I'm okay. thinking this today. The same thing. A feeling comes and it's sadness or something. You can understand this feeling is data. I feel sad. Not I am sad. We, we, we usually identify with our feelings. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm this. No, I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I'm feeling that. It will pass when you allow it to, right? It will come. You feel it. Okay. Why am I feeling this? Maybe you can inquire. You can use it as data, but then you release it. You don't sit in it. You don't build a shrine to it. You don't call a whole group of people to come and sit around like, oh my goodness, come let us worship my sadness. Mm -hmm. Oh dear, this is what's going on. And this yeah. is what a lot of us are doing. We get mired in it. Yes. And even for someone like me, my like um, 
actually today is the second anniversary of my father's death. He died two years ago today. And it's interesting because I remember when I, I'm still grieving him in some ways, the grief is much better now, but I remember when I was in the thick of the grief and there would be things that would happen that might be funny or joyful. And I would say to myself, you know, I can't betray the grief. It's, there's, you, can, you can laugh. It's not like you, you're going to, you're not going to betray him by, by being able to laugh in the midst of your yes. grieving, right? You can't betray the grief. So it's okay. The the process is the process. So feelings are meant to flow. They're energy in motion. Emotions are energy in motion. They're meant to flow. When they get trapped, it's because we haven't let them flow. Sure. When you talk about flow, it reminds me of even a river. The only time a river starts rotting and stinking is when everything stops. But as long That's as it's flowing, everything just passes through. Sure. That's right. There's so much you have shared. I just want to sit at your wisdom, at your feet. I want to just like hang out with you for days and just <laughs> listen to you share stories. But how do we be, how do we um, get, be part of your community? How do we learn more from you? How do we become members, um, join your community? What are the next steps from here? Yes, absolutely. So we have a wonderful community that we've designed for women to really invest in their personal development every month. And in yeah. fact, I have a very special offer for your community. Yeah. And uh, all people have to do is go to iconicwomanhoodcircle.com and there's a discount code that we are offering to your readers and yeah. or your your listeners rather and so and all they can do is it's going to give them 50% off actually to be members and in our community iconic women in circle we have monthly coaching we have and I'm not the only coach by the way right and so we have monthly activations everything that we've talked about we yeah. deep dive into them in various ways to help illuminate your life and to help you live a higher quality life and show up more powerfully. And so, and then we also have a library of courses that will take you deep into self mastery, uh, even desirability as a woman. We have a course like for almost every part of womanhood, we have a course for that, right? So it's a, it's a deep opportunity for women to really become themselves. And so if you're looking to do this work that we've talked about on there, Iconic Womanhood Circle is really where you want to go. Iconicwomanhoodcircle.com. I have an additional program that is for leaders. And this is usually for women who have reached a certain pinnacle of success. Uh, it's much more intimate. I work directly with those women and it is much more significant investment, of course. And so if you're interested in that, it's called the Iconic Woman Mastermind. And I'm wanting to help you build your platform or expand your platform or take you to the next level. Usually it's like, how am I building this business that is a thought leadership business? Or how am I taking this piece that I've been able to do? How do I build, bring it to the world? And how do I monetize it in a particular way? So it is in that place where purpose meets femininity meets business, meets, oh, meets faith. Yeah, it's business. Yeah. So the mastermind is really designed for that. And so if your listeners are interested, um, they can go to iconicwomanmastermind.com or just follow me on Instagram. I'm currently at iconicwomanhood underscore coach. You can send me a DM, either most likely me, but maybe someone else that will pick it up. Or you can meet me on LinkedIn. Lovely. You do retreats as well, right? 
I do. Why did I forget to tell you about that? Yeah, Absolutely. because actually I'm just like, when's the next retreat? So we can start saving up because that would be nice. Yes. So special about being in the same space um, as other like-minded women. Very important. Yes. Yeah. So we have, we have an event coming up, um, a retreat coming up in Dubai, March Ooh. 23rd to the 27th right yeah. um and yeah that's really going to be amazing and then we have another retreat the dates are 100 finalized but that's usually end of october in ghana and you know we've explored coming to johannesburg well not johannesburg but coming to south africa, south africa yeah. and, um, i'm still exploring that to, to see about coming to do something we're doing something in london it's probably going to be march 9th it's just a day event and so through the year, we add different things. But currently, we have two main retreat offerings, Dubai and um, Ghana as well. Yes. Well, if you win, not if, when you come to South Africa, um, I think it would be nice to even partner up with Wisdom and Wellness, bring our communities together. Um, I, I have, for me, it's been such an honor to sit and listen. And I know you've got so much more to share, but we literally have an hour. And it's like, how do I get as much as possible in an hour? But I'm so grateful that you have all these resources that we can tap into. I mean, even just your Instagram for me has been amazing i've learned so much i've gotten interested in so many things that i started researching and i just want to thank you for doing incredible work for stepping into your calling into your femininity so that you can help help us as well um do the same your life is absolutely encouraging and exciting i love the photo shoots that you do with the dancers <laughs> amazing my mom looked at your picture and she's like, I can hear all this woman is saying, and it's like, it's exciting, but how beautiful is this woman? I'm like, mom, listen to what she's saying. <laughs> thank you. Tell your mom, thank you. I, I will thank you. Thank, thank you so, you much, so much for having me on. I deeply appreciate it. And I love your work as well. Thank so, you. so important that we all step in. Thank you so much. Thank you. Girl Power. Excitement is building as we gear up for our annual Unlimited Fest. If you missed out last year, don't make the same mistake again. So join us for two unforgettable days packed with inspiring speakers, incredible musicians, DJs, food, and a time and a half. This year is all about healing. Secure your spot now at www.unlimitedfest.co.za. Don't miss the experience of a lifetime. Unlimited Fest, where we heal, celebrate, and grow. See you there.